When Paul talks about works of the law in Galatians and Romans, what does he mean? Does he mean all human works, even good works, as Martin Luther and John Calvin believed? Or perhaps is he referring to particular Jewish observances such as circumcision, Sabbath-keeping, and food laws, as modern biblical scholars such as E.P. Sanders and N.T. Wright argue? And what do the Church Fathers have to say about all of this? In today's episode, I interviewed Dr. Matthew J. Thomas, whose new book on the subject comes out this fall. You're listening to The Way with Father Dustin Lyon, a podcast of the Ephesus School Network. This is Father Dustin with The Way Podcast. Um, I have a special episode today for you. I think it's something that you guys will all really, really enjoy. Um, I have with me uh, Professor Matthew J. Thomas, who got his doctorate at Oxford University in, was it 2016? Yeah, 2016. 2016. Um, He's now the Assistant Professor of Biblical Studies at the Dominican School of Philosophy um, of Theology in Berkeley, California, and an instructor in theology with Regent College, uh, Vancouver. And so I'm really excited to have him here with us. He has a new book coming out in October, which is based on his uh, doctorate thesis. Um, Comes out October 20th, and it's called Paul's Works of the Law in the Perspective of Second Century Reception, um, published by InterVarsity Press, IVP. Um, And if you go to Amazon and pre-order it, um, as I did, you get 8% off right now. So you can go and get a discount on it right now. And... um, and I'm really excited that you're here uh, with me. And I, I want to tell my listeners how we met. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I, I think it's an interesting story. So most of my listeners uh, may know that I, I'm a huge N.T. Wright fan. And, and I, I just love all of his work. And so there was a conference that was done engaging with his work a few years ago called uh, Exile, A Conversation with N.T. Wright. Hmm. So N.T. Wright's one of his major major themes is that at the time of Jesus, uh, the Jews, even though they had come back from Babylon, had they, they had rebuilt the temple, but the presence of God or the glory of God had not re-entered the temple, and they were still under the boot of Caesar. They were still in occupied territory by the Romans. And so even though they may not be in exile in Babylon, they were still functionally in exile, kind of waiting for this Messiah to, to free them. And so that's what this book is about. And one of the, one of the papers that was given uh, was writing about, uh, here, I'll just read the, read the sentence. It says, um, is this the, is this Hans Borgeson's paper? It is. It is. Yes. Did, did, did you know him or did you know he was citing you in this? Uh, so I found out, I found out afterwards. So I was actually in the audience for the original debate, uh, when oh, this, okay. this happened, which was as an absolutely unforgettable experience. I actually have a, a picture of it somewhere. Uh, of this of this de- this debate stage, and so you have um, you have Hans Borsman here, who was one of my professors at the time, who I w- I was just just getting to know, and then and then Wright Wright was there, and um, and so I, you know I had been influenced positively, like you know, like yourself, by a lot of Wright's Wright's work, but then I you know I got to know Hans, and I'm like, well, this guy is just he's just an incredible person. He has a very different perspective. It's incredible, and so he was he was up there disagreeing with with right, which is something that I hadn't, <laughs> I hadn't, you know, come across, you know, many people do the way he did, but I was sitting there thinking, 
gosh, this guy's making some really, really good points. And so I, I went on to become Hans's, Hans's TA. Um, okay. Have, he, he actually, he was, uh, he, when, when my, my wife and I got married in 2013, he actually flew down from, uh, from, from Canada to California. It was one of the, the readers in our, in our wedding. So he's nice. a, uh, he's a, he's a, he's a, I mean, he's a tremendous human being, a person really close with. And then he, uh, actually it's interesting. He was actually the first person, uh, it was, it was Hans who read the original article on, on works of the law, uh, <laughs> that I, I had just written as a paper and just said, Hey, you've got to get this published somewhere. And so then he went, he snuck it into, uh, this footnote that you have here. So go, go ahead. Okay. Yeah. So, so he says, um, I'm convinced that Wright's understanding of God's righteousness or faithfulness shed significant new light on the doctrine of justification. And I apologize to my Lutheran listeners because I know I have a few of them. And it seems to me that the Reformation doctrine of justification, sola fide, needs a significant overhaul in light of Wright's reading of the New Testament. And he says, this is not to say that this approach to justification is entirely novel, meaning referring back to Wright's work, since several of the church fathers um, admirate this view in important ways. And then there's a little footnote that says, See Matthew J. Thomas, Early Perspectives and Works of the Law, a patristic study. And then it says, you know, the, it's, a, it's a doctorate thesis. Hmm. But I thought, okay, so all I need to do is, is, is go to Oxford or whatever and find where you can buy theses, because sometimes you can do that, and, you know, buy a PDF <laughs> or whatever. And I couldn't find it. And, uh, and I thought, well, I'll see if I can track down the author. And, <laughs> and this is, Facebook came in, so I, I, I just simply Facebooked him, and his name popped up. And uh, he was kind enough to return my, my message, and he actually sent me back, and this was February of 2018. I actually looked it up. Wow. Uh, February 2018, uh, I, I messaged you, and uh, he was kind enough to send me his, his entire thesis on PDF for me to read. And uh, it, it, was, it was really amazing. And so we've, we've kind of kept in touch since then. Um, and, <laughs> and you made your way into the acknowledgments. And the, oh, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the more the more Zebek uh, form the the first the first version of the book that came out. Uh, nice. Father, Father Dustin is is in the acknowledgments as one of the, the earliest <laughs> readers who had some some really helpful comments. So thank yeah. you for those. So um so what fascinated me about your thesis is you know as an Orthodox Christian um you know having gone to St Vlad's and then studied under like patristic folks such as such as uh, Father John Bear, um you know I, I'm always interested in what the patristics have to say, but I'm also an N.T. Wright fan. And here is a thesis that was essentially comparing the two, like how close is N.T. Wright to the church fathers, and specifically on the understanding of what Paul means by works of the law. And uh, because that's, that's a huge thing. What does, when Paul's talking about this, what is he actually talking about? Um, and come to find out uh, from my listeners, there are, there are different views. So there is uh, uh, the old view, I think, is what you call it in your thesis, uh, which would be kind of the traditional Lutheran uh, reformed sort of view. So maybe you want to kind of fill in our readers on what does Luther mean? What's his take when, when Paul's talking about these works of the law? Yeah, absolutely. So you just to give a little bit of a broader context. Um, and, and Romans and, and Galatians, Paul talks about uh, being justified by faith apart from works of the law. And um, you know, when I was, you know, just reading and, and studying on my own, 
um, what I found is in in the debates that you have between you know the the old perspective on Paul, the new perspective on Paul. So you know a lot of kind of you know old perspective will be more traditional. You know, uh, Protestant views more than directly than the lineage of, of Luther and Calvin theologically. New perspective will you know be people like uh, like like N.T. Wright and then you know uh, prior to him uh, you know James James Dunn and, uh, and Ed Sanders will be your your, your biggest people, um, and then you know a, a whole litany of folks you know from from there that you look in these debates back and forth uh, because this, this dichotomy in Paul's uh, in Paul's, you know, epistles in, in Romans and Galatians, it, it, it's such a, it's such a climactic sort of thing, you know, where he goes and talks about, you know, therefore, you know, one is justified by faith apart from works of the law you get in, uh, you know, in Romans three and Galatians two, uh, it, it clearly carries this really, you know, there's major significance for, um, you know, for, for, for Paul within, within his arguments, but all three of those terms are disputed in some way, as far as what does Paul mean by faith? What does Paul mean by, you know, to, to justify, what does it mean to, you know, to, to, to justify and what is, what does Paul mean by works of the law? So what is he trying to set an antithesis to faith when it comes to justification? And I, I found that when I was going through these debates, it was that third term, works of the law, where there was really the widest the the widest gap between the the, the various you know disputants and these you know these, these modern debates. It was just all over the map. <laughs> and so um, to to go back directly to your question, so talking about you know the the old old perspective on, on Paul, which you know for for me and you know my upbringing is what a lot you know just kind of what what I've you know more familiar with and ra- raised around. Works of the law are basically taken as synonymous with good works, and so I mean you can see, for instance, with with Luther, with the the the, the tension that he has with sort of Paul on the one hand, James, James on the other. Uh, a lot of it has to do with his understanding of of, of works of the law. What he because he, he sees you know works of the law as anything that one might do by human powers, by divine powers, anything at all to go and to try to earn justification, you know, before God so that God will, you know, regard you as, you know, as, as, as righteous. And, um, and, and, you know, Calvin is, is, is similar on that, on that as well. So, uh, is one example, uh, the good, good works and, you know, works of the law are so, they're so close together. And Luther's thought that I was, I was going back through his, uh, his open letter on translating uh, a couple of weeks ago from, uh, 1530. And he, he calls them good works of the law. Uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a, it's a good example of how he kind of elides the, you know, those, those two categories for him. They're, they're not, even to say allied is incorrect. They are the same category. Um, and so, that's that's the way that Luther under, understands it, um, and so faith then set in you could say in contrast to works of the law is going to be, it, and I mean usually most interpreters you're going to find some some variation in this, but faith is going to be a, a more passive kind of thing in relation to good good works, your understanding of what goes and you know justifies and what what faith actually actually is. On the other side, and feel free to interrupt me at any point. Um, the the other, <laughs> other side I of say, that. For, for my listeners here, th- this sets up the, the tension that you often see between Catholics and Protestants today. Uh, because uh, folks like uh, Martin Luther and John Calvin saw works of the law as all good works, that you know, we get this idea of, of salvation by faith only. Um, and, and even that, it, it can get very complex uh, that even even faith 
is not something that you have. It's something that's given to you by God um, versus kind of for, for listeners, the, the Catholic or the Orthodox view where good works plays a part in your salvation. Um, you know, how you articulate that may differ between Catholics and Orthodox or whatnot, but you get this tension built up because Luther is seeing works of the law as everything. Um, and uh, the Catholics and the Orthodox still uh, have works as a part of their, their, Pro, the process of salvation, uh, as mm. we would say, or or deification. Um, yeah. So yeah. so so this this plays out even today um, within Christianity. So yeah, uh, absolutely. So you have so you have that, and then to go into uh, yeah, to 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 take that and say if if that's you know if if you kind of have the I, I guess you could say the more you know traditional Protestant view on one side. Although it's interesting the way that there is. I mean, you get you get variation on this even among different you know different Protestant groups and stuff like that, and then you get something like Tom Wright, who's an Anglican, where you're like, well, "What's an Anglican? Is an Anglican, <laughs> is an Anglican a Protestant or not a Protestant?" And then yep. you know, if you if you get a room of you know uh, ten Anglicans and you say, "Are you Protestants?" Maybe five of them will raise their hands, and you say, "Are you Catholics?" Maybe five of them will go and raise their hands. <laughs> uh, that's just in my 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 own my own experience. Uh, you know, there's uh, yeah, it's really interesting. You know, var- variation. Uh, that's that's there. So anyway, so the, the the new perspective understanding of of works of the law is so so the, the, for my listeners, the new perspective um, has come in since oh probably the eighties nineties is kind of when it first started. Um, so it's a rereading of Paul and a and a new understanding uh, based on Paul's reading. So uh, go ahead and, and explain yeah. what that is. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and as as much as as much as a new perspective on Paul, I think it's equally accurately described as a, as a new perspective on, on Judaism, because I think the way that New Testament scholars were looking at Paul in his context, they were largely taking the things that Luther and, you know, Calvin and kind of, you know, those who, within those, those theological, you know, traditions, uh, the kinds of things that they were saying about, you know, about Paul and what Paul, the, what the error of the Jews was with respect to works of the law. And, you know, not, uh, not not uniformly, but largely kind of you know re- regurgitating those those, those those kinds of things. Um, what what Ed Sanders did, and then you know picked up on that people you know had people like Ryan following, just saying this is not what Judaism in the first century is like. <laughs> You're not gonna, you just don't find Jews going and, and walking around saying like, hey, did you do enough good works to you know, earn, your, earn your salvation? You just don't you don't, you don't find any you don't find anything like that at all. And when people are arguing back and forth you know, about, about worse of the law or about, you know, circumcision and, you know, kind of, you know, Sabbath, the, the actual things that go and show about you know, with Paul's epistles, they're not, they're not talking, they're not seeing these things as good works and they're not trying to individualistically, you know, earn their salvation. What they're, what they're trying to do when you go and you observe the works of the law is you are, you are becoming an adherent of the Mosaic law. And by doing so, you're becoming part of the Jewish nation. So you getting circumcised isn't thinking, hey, can I, you know, how many, how many points do I get from circumcision? <laughs> like, okay, so if I observe a Sabbath, I get, I get 10 points. Circumcision is worth 30 points. Uh, each food law that I observe each day, you know, you accrue like one point. And then if you get to 100 points, then you get, you get salvation. And that's, that's, a bit, that's a bit of a character, but there's, a, yeah. there's at least a, there's at least, you know, a piece of truth as far as within that, you know, that, that, that older context, it, the, the, the merit is thought to sort of, a, you know, accrue um, on an individualistic basis. And Sanders just goes and says, there's you, that Luther might have a view of the late medieval Catholic church as far as that's what they're trying to do. But that's a, that's a different 
that's a different issue. It's a different set of issues from what's happening with Paul and his context, and you know, in relation to first century Judaism and what the significance of works of the law is. When you when you practice the works of the law, you're talking things like you know circumcision, Sabbath, food laws, because the idea is it, you know the, the Jews are the chosen people of God, and so if you are going to be part of God's people and if you've been called as a Gentile, it's, you know, Hey, great, fantastic. But you need to join the chosen people. You need to join, you know, join the covenant and, you know, get in. This is the way that you, that you go and go and do that. So it's, they're understood as, as, you know, as specific practices of, you know, of the mosaic law that go and, you know, make you part of this, this nation and, and covenant. And so you can see then if, if that's the case, um, then you can say the, the, the conception of faith that Paul is setting in contrast to works of the law is then not necessarily going to be this, this, this totally, totally passive thing. Um, and for me, I, I mean, you know, as I'm, I'm, I'm sure that your, your, your Greek is better, better than mine, but the, <laughs> uh, for me, that was, that was what got me in, into this. It was, I, I was, uh, I was, this is, boy, this is a decade ago. Uh, over a decade ago, I was, I was listening to, to N.T. Wright's Romans in a Week class, and I heard him talking about, you know, the word pistis in, in Greek, which is the word for faith, how it's, mm-hmm. it's actually the same, the same word for faithfulness or, you know, f- fidelity or loyalty or whatever. Or trust. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, and I was saying to myself, how in the world, if works of the law is good works, how could you have a dichotomy between faithfulness versus good works? <laughs> how, how, would you, how would you do that if that's the same word? Like how, where, like, where, where would the dividing line? It's like, I'm just thinking myself, like, that's gotta be, if that's the case, Paul must have just, this must be the most confusing dichotomy in the world. <laughs> You're saved by faithfulness, not good works. Like, where does one of those, like, can we, can you give a, can you diagram the category division here? And so, <laughs> I, so for, for, for me, it was, you know, it was learning what that, that you know, the, the, the Greek word meant. Just like, Wait a second. If that's the case, then it would seem as though works of the law has to be something, you know, more specific than just, than just anything that, you know, that, uh, you know, that, that, that we might do any kind of good works or anything. Otherwise it's really hard to figure out how, you know, within the original language, Paul's dichotomy is going to be intelligible. So that was, that was what first got me into this. And then, you know, getting, saying this with the, you know, the old and new perspectives and then, you know, finally yeah. getting, getting to a point that, gosh, I wonder what the early church says about this. Well, it's so. interesting. So some of my listeners may be familiar with uh, David Bentley Hart, who is an Orthodox uh, philosopher, and he came out with a translation of the New Testament um, a few years ago with Yale. And he's also, I, I would throw him in kind of the new perspective uh you know, he has some differences with with N.T. Wright, obviously. <laughs> They've yeah. gone back and forth on the, on how to translate. <laughs> but uh, Differences but, is one word to describe them. Yep. But what David Bentley Hart did is in his translation, when he's translating Romans and Galatians, instead of saying works of the law, he translates it as observances of the law hmm. to indicate that what Paul's talking about is not just good works in general, but specifically these identity markers that set you off as a Jew, as opposed to being a Gentile, you know, like we said, circumcision, um, Sabbath keeping, kosher keeping, purity laws, these sorts of things. And uh, it's interesting, in, in, in my background, uh, my professor, Paul Tarazi, has looked at circumcision, uh, and he was looking at it in the, in the original Hebrew throughout the Old Testament, and he noticed something really strange happens. So you have, uh, with Abraham, you have the idea that 
that he circumcised him and Isaac and his family and all of that, and mm. including the slaves or the, the non-Hebrews uh, at this point. Um, but then again, you have, and then again, the people are re-circumcised or circumcised um, when they're freed from Egypt and they go into the promised land. But you also have this contrast uh, that in Deuteronomy, you almost have circumcision in the flesh downplayed. It's God and Moses start talking about circumcision of the heart. Mm. And then, um, and then it like disappears from the Bible. Like nowhere does it say people are being circumcised. Hmm. Um, and then you have Jeremiah 31. Again, he's talking about circumcision of the heart and not the hmm. flesh. But where it does reappear um, in Scripture is in Maccabees. Yep. So, so for my listeners, the Maccabees are able to reestablish a Jewish state for you know just a brief, a few years of time. But circumcision becomes important again because it becomes an identity marker. We are forming a, a state of Israel. We are Jews. We are not Romans. We are not Greeks. We are not, you know, and, and so it becomes this identity marker, which carries over into the first century um, to where you hear Paul talking about it again. Um, so that these observances of the law or these very specific, uh, very specific identity markers. It's almost as if, you know, as Americans, we've got our ID badge now that says we're American, you know, and this is what makes you American. And Paul's yeah. saying, no, 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 the ID badge doesn't work here. That's not what we're talking about. He's yeah. saying there's more to it than that. And so it, it doesn't matter if you, if you have the ID badge or not, um, because that's not what makes you, you know, in his case, that's not what makes you a Jew or a Christian. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so that's kind of the, uh, the, the historical background and why circumcision has become a big deal again, because they're trying to set themselves apart from the Romans or, you know, from the, the Gentiles around them. Yeah, absolutely. That's really helpful. And I think you're, you're, you're right to identify, you know, Maccabees is, is really helpful in this. Um, my, my wife and I had a chance uh, last year to kind of write these, these like popular level commentaries on, on first and second Maccabees. Mm. And just for, just for understanding the historical context of the kinds of things that are happening in and around, you know, Paul's, Paul's time. Um, and the way that, you know, some of the ways that Paul himself would have, would have been, been reasoning, uh, you know, as, you know, as, as a Pharisee and the, you know, with the Pharisees, you know, lineage being, being, you know, being traced back to, you know, that the Hasidians who are, you know, joined with, mm -hmm. the, with the Maccabees and stuff. The, um, it's, it's just really, really helpful. And so <laughs> if you haven't had a chance to, to make it through those, those, those books at some point there, they're yeah. really useful for, I think, understanding these things. Yeah. It's really fascinating. So, so, one thing I, I really enjoyed about your thesis, and this is where me, me as an Orthodox priest got really interested in it. Is, <laughs> so, so now that we've talked about kind of the, the traditional kind of Lutheran old perspective or, or traditional Protestantism yeah. um, and, and kind of this new perspective, which is, which is an academic movement, you know, it's yeah. these biblical scholars saying, okay, what is Judaism in the first century? And can we understand Jesus within a Jewish context? Um, and, and so if, if Jesus and Paul are in this Jewish context, what, how do we understand what they're saying then with this new kind of sort of historical context? Um, so, the, so the question is, okay, as, as an Orthodox Christian, we have these church fathers, um, mm -hmm. some who are writing very soon after Paul, because um, you mentioned in here, one of the, one of the folks we're going to talk about is Irenaeus, mm -hmm. or Irenaeus. And uh, if I remember my lineage properly, he's a student of Polycarp, who's a student of John, the evangelist, yeah. or an our theologian, yeah. John, the theologian, who wrote the yeah. gospel, of course. So we're not that far removed from these, these biblical figures or these biblical writers. And so your work looks at, 
okay, what, what were these church fathers saying? How did they understand works of the law? And yeah. so the question for me as an Orthodox Christian is, do they agree with either the old or the new perspective, or are they kind of a third perspective? Yeah. And, um, and you essentially conclude uh, that really what the new perspective is saying is very close to what these uh, second century church fathers were saying, um, yeah. you know, with maybe differences in details, but for the most part, they too are understanding uh, works of the law as these very specific Jewish identity markers and not good works in general. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's sort of the, um, that's the, the big, the big punchline of, of the book, this surprise, surprise ending. So anyway, <laughs> people aren't going to read the book now. I know it's like, yeah, it's like, it's like the guy who can't stop talking about, you know, the ending of the movie or something like that. Uh, we're all gonna we're all gonna throw popcorn at you uh no i mean it's it's you know it's pretty well given away at this point um and yeah um so but you 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 do find that and so that was you know for me when i first this all started as, as a paper that i wrote in in 2011 and it was interesting because the the clue that i had on this, the the lead that got me started was actually reading John Calvin and mm. um, and reading reading uh, his. Uh, so I was, I was going through his his Romans commentary, and I had um, the, the the previous semester I had had a chance to go and uh, take uh, the systematic theology class with uh, with with J.I. Packer, and so I wrote the first paper on justification, you know, for for him. Uh, which is kind of initial study in the you know back and forth between the old and new perspectives, and so I I had read a lot of Calvin for that class, and I had just gotten really used to the way that he writes, and particularly on any kind of disputed point, the way that he's always bringing the church fathers with him, and you know some sometimes he'll go and he'll do that, and you'll think, boy, is that exactly what that specific church father says? <laughs> Re- like regardless, and some and sometimes it is, and you know to to to, to his credit. Um, but he, he's always, you know, whenever, whenever there's any kind of importance to it, you know, to a debate or anything like that, he's always bringing his friends with him. He's always going and citing, citing the fathers in a way that I think is actually kind of, kind of distinct from what, what, what Luther does, because Luther, you know, his, uh, I think he, his ambivalence towards the fathers is, I, I would say more substantial. Um, whereas, you know, Calvin in general you know, he does kind of hold to a more kind of golden age theology. So he articulates at one point, you know, the first, you know, 500 years or a much, you know, pure sort of, you know, uh, you know, point of, you know, reference for, you know, for the church and everything like that. So I'm reading Calvin on his, his commentary in Romans 3.20. So he says, you know, uh, so, you know, we reckon that, you know, man is justified by faith apart from works of the law. And he goes and he says, uh, you know, it's, it's a, it is a matter of doubt um, even among the learned what the works of the law mean, which is how my book starts is with this, yep. this, this quote from Calvin, because that's what got started in this. And then he goes and he, I, I believe it's origin, maybe Chrysostom in, in Rome, who he goes and cites. And so mm. they, they think that Paul was referring specifically to, you know, to these, 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 these kinds of things, these particularly, you know, uh, practices of, you know, of, of the Mosaic law. And Calvin thinks origin is the one that kind of led them all straight, doesn't he? Yeah. Is that, but, yeah. Well, both, both he and, and Luther do go and articulate that a lot. And I think part of that is because uh, Origen has the earliest known commentary on, on Romans and they, in sources prior to Origen, so, you know, Irenaeus and th- th- things like that. 
uh, access to them is not quite as strong. Access to second century, you know, sources isn't isn't as 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 strong in the in the sixteenth century. And so, because of that, he's the earliest kind of solid source they have, and they think he's wrong. So, they're like, well, this guy must have been the guy who invented all the errors. There's all <laughs> kinds of other stuff they disagree with in Origin as well. So, so it was it was reading Calvin. I, I go and I see he's like he cites these fathers against against his position, mm-hmm. and then I'm like, okay, well, I'm I'd be, I'm curious to see who goes and cites in his favor. And then I'm reading and then the, the paragraph ends and I pick up the next paragraph and he says, you know, it's not un- unknown to me that, you know, that Augustine has a different position too. And he goes and says, here's why Augustine is wrong and what, what Augustine goes and says. <laughs> and I keep reading and I keep reading it and I'm like, there's something missing here. <laughs> but this is, I mean, I've, I've never seen Calvin, you know, not cite the fathers in his, in his favor on, you know, you, on, on matters of, you know, less importance. Here's a matter of tremendous importance. This is this is justification. This is what the whole the whole thing is about. And and here you know here's your uh, here here here's your key central dichotomy. And I'm looking like there's there's no Calvin is way too smart of a guy to for you know to suddenly have a have a memory lapse and just say all of a sudden no one agrees with me. Yeah, (laughs) I'm thinking like I I was I was was just standing. This is really interesting. I have, I've never seen Calvin go and do this before. And I wonder if you were to actually look in the early sources is kind of how they would relate to, you know, what we're calling the old and new perspective. And so I just, I immediately went and just opened up and started reading the fathers. And I just, I, uh, I just read and read and read. And I, I was absolutely astonished because the stuff that I was, the stuff that I was, you know, that I had read in, you know, N.T. Wright books, for example, I, you know, I read, I opened up, you know, just Martyr's dialogue with Trifo from, you know, around, you know, you know, around like 150, you know, A.D. I'm reading that and it's like I'm reading the same thing. It's like the exact stuff that, that you know, that Wright is talking about as far as, you know, what Paul means in his context. That's the same thing that that Justin and, uh, and you know and, and, and his Jewish uh, his Jewish opponent Trifor are debating back and forth as well. Uh, and I, looking in all these sources, it's like wait a second, like we're calling one this one thing the, the new perspective, this other thing the old perspective. But if you look <laughs> in all these early sources, they all sound like the new perspective. And I'm having difficulty, you know, like like Calvin, you know, finding something that really matches with the way you know what his interpretation of you know paul is and so um that's that's kind of you know what where, where, the, where the book goes we you know since the you know since you know the kind of late 70s or early 80s we've been having these these debates back and forth you know on you know old perspective on paul new perspective on paul um and uh and it's interesting because i mean even some of the if you look at some of the the, the popular you know old, old perspective writers you know one of the uh one of the writers i read was uh you know was john piper's work on on justification which he and you know tom wright has back and forth there and it's interesting because he 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 says a lot in that book about hey you know there's a right is really you know he's he's kind of like, you know theological novelty anything anything kind of new he's sort of all about it and we really need to, you know, we need to, you know, respect and celebrate the wisdom of the centuries. And he, he repeats that. I think it's like three, three, three times on, on one page. He talks about like the wisdom of the centuries, the wisdom <laughs> of the centuries, the wisdom of the centuries. So it's like, which I, from a standpoint of, you know, theological disposition, I mean, I, you know, I'm, 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 I'm disposed to that. I, I want to go and do that. 
it was just really interesting to go back to these early centuries and to see, hey, here's the wisdom of the centuries, and, and particularly, you know, the centuries closest to Palm, like, they sound just like N.T. Wright. Like, what the heck? <laughs> How did this happen? Like, this is, it's the, that was the, you know, it was the oddest thing. And so... Um, so the Church Fathers were the new perspective before the... <laughs> before yeah, the there's... Did the old perspective. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing is, uh, you know, what we're calling, at least on, on this specific issue of works of the law, and particularly, mm-hmm. you know, the the meaning. So what works of what law and the significance of practicing them. So what does it mean when you're, do, when you're doing this? Specifically on, on those, those questions, I, I think that the, uh, I, I think that you can, you can say, yeah, what well, you know, the new perspective is the old perspective and the old perspective is the new perspective. This whole debate is completely, completely on its, on its head. When it comes to other parts of the, you know, the new perspective or new perspectives, since it's, it's, it's one of the things that, you know, I found in trying to, you know, write a dissertation on this is you've, you've got as many perspectives as you have, you know, interpreters when it comes to, you know, new, new perspective <laughs> stuff. Uh, the, uh, when, when it comes to other, other, other issues, which I, I think that this is a, a key central issue, if not, you know, the, the, I, I, for me, I do, I do think it's the biggest issue in, in, in going back and forth these, these, these debates, the biggest kind of hinge, hinge issue. But when it comes to either either areas or even the reasoning behind why Paul goes and objects to works of the law, there you're going to find really wide variation. And there's, I think that within some of the, you know, the old perspective reasoning, uh, there's at least some, some areas where there's, there is correspondence with these early sources, even if it, the, the reasoning doesn't always work in quite the same way. Some of the same concerns that are there. So for instance, you know, the, you know, the anthropological concerns as far as, you know, we're, we're sinful humans. Uh, you know, we, uh, if, if you're talking about sinful humanity, then just the Jew Gentile question, just the, hey, you know, are you circumcised to join the nation or not? That can't be the entirety, you know, of it. And I think that, you know, interpreters like, you know, like, like Wright, who are kind of new perspective ones, you know, will agree and say, yeah, that's, that's, that's true. It's, that's, that's, that's not the only issue because, you know, it's part, part of what's going on is that, uh, you know, if you're looking at something like circumcision, yeah, circumcision goes and it's a it's this, is this ex- exterior sign. It goes and says, you know, you're 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 part of the covenant now, but it doesn't actually it doesn't actually to use uh, you know the later language it, does, it doesn't actually convey what it signifies. It doesn't actually go and it doesn't actually transform. Whereas, mm-hmm. you know, w- within within the new covenant, what Christ goes and institutes actually does transform. So that when you get to a passage like Romans seven, where you have you know, the, where, where Paul is really getting into, hey, this is, this is what humanity is trapped in. Here is you end up doing all these things that you don't want, want to do. Uh, I, I want to go and do this, and I, and I don't. I see this other law <laughs> you know, warring against me. Or as you can see, like, that's not just the, the Jew-Gentile thing. Right? That's, not, that's not just that. And it, and it goes to, it, to a deeper level. It goes to the, you know, the, what, what the Old Covenant instituted, what the Torah instituted, it bore witness to what was to come and it gave the diagnosis without actually going and giving the medicine. And when you get to, when you get to Romans, you know, Romans eight, you know, or, you know, you know, it's end of seven, beginning of, you know, you know, eight, you know, 
the central you know, point for N.T. Wright. This is this is his big chapter. So. Yeah, yeah. So you know, a wretched man that I am, who will rescue me from this you know body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And you know, goes says goes on to there that you know now you've been set free, and now you you have actually this has actually happened in Christ, where you know what what the law was not able to do. Now the law of the Spirit of life, you know, has has happened in Christ Jesus, so that you can actually go and obey. And you know the you know the the, the righteous intent of the law. Can be can be fulfilled in you, and so uh, some some of some of the, the you know the new perspective reasoning you know talk, talk, talking like that you know with you know at least some old perspective interpreters you can say okay yeah you can see um, you know where we're not we're not su- super far far off and uh, you know as, as far as where we're, you know trying trying to get to and on the other side some of the some of the old perspective you know interpreters that you could say you know might want to limit things just to the Jew Gentile you can say. That's that's not the entirety of it. That's not, and it, from from the standpoint of the fathers, that's not the the entirety of it of it either. So uh, yeah. I think it's it's important to give that qualification. Um, and and as, as as far as modern interpreters goes, it, it it at least among the figures who I who I go and in, engage with, I think you know among new perspective interpreters, I think it's 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 probably Tom Wright whose whose stuff is able to capture both both sides of that in a way that at least from the standpoint of the early reception history has the most correspondence with, you know, the way early Paul's early, early readers, what they understood him to mean when he's talking about these debates. Yeah. It, Cause if I remember correctly, you end up basically concluding N.T. Wright essentially agrees with what the fathers are saying um, with, with a slight difference of whether Christ uh, fulfills the covenant, which is N.T. Wright's position or whether Christ's law is uh, takes precedence precedence over the the old covenant, which would be kind of more of the church fathers' perspective. Yeah, so there. I mean, a, again, there's a lot of correspondence there, and if there's any difference, it's a it's a matter of emphasis. The, mm-hmm. I, I would say the difference in emphasis is that Wright goes and focuses more on the on 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 the specifics of you know the Abrahamic covenant and what's what's given there as going and providing the blueprint for what is going to happen in the time when these promises are, are fulfilled. So his focus is, or as you can say, his emphasis tends to be more on, on the, on, on, on the old covenant. The church fathers would agree with, with all of that, just in their own argumentation, they tend to focus more on, on the new covenant and on the, the new law that Christ goes and gives within the new covenant as providing the rationale, rationale for why it is that, you know, certain practices from the Mosaic law, you know, aren't, aren't, you know, aren't, aren't, aren't retained because there is a, if you're saying, you know, what are works, what, what was, what is the, the works of the law? Well, it's within, within the new, the new covenant context. And this is something that I, I find that, um, you know, new Testament scholars just for whatever reason, it doesn't, doesn't, it's, it's ubiquitous in early patristic <laughs> interpretation. It's, you almost never find it within, uh, you know, modern New Testament scholarship, the idea of, of, of Christ as the new lawgiver, 
who actually goes and you know gives a real you know his his teachings his ordinances um you know what he sets up with respect to you know authority and authority structure with you know with his his, his apostles uh that all of that represents a, a a new legislation that is meant to be binding for the new covenant that he's instituted just as you know for you know for for for, for Moses being being the, being the lawgiver and going and you know mediating that that covenant he gave you know legislation you know for that for that period um the that that's just that's that's one of those, those points that's there that you find uh you know within within the, the the early fathers which is just all over the place that even with even with somebody like like Wright who um has a lot of you know correspondence in his thought with what you find in these early early fathers uh that's you, you just don't you, you tend to the, the reasoning this you know just doesn't tend to tend to tend to you know to follow that that way and in, in, in writes thought for the most part as well and i think a, a big piece of that is just as as new testament scholars um i i still think you know i still think that you know luther's shadow uh is <laughs> pretty, pretty large and there's i just think you know a lot of us still have 16th century hangovers and there's a, a you know luther's is so adamant against the idea of christ as being a lawgiver for him that is just it's just you know because of the way he understands the separation of law and gospel to work that is that's sort of the central you know thing that you know everybody's been getting wrong prior to him is that they've made you know a lawgiver out of christ they've made you know they've they've, they've made a moses out of out of christ and you need to separate those as far as as, as far as you can and so so because of that the idea of you know christ as the, as the new lawgiver has not been particularly in, in vogue, uh, in, you know, among, among New, New Testament scholars. But when you when you go back into the you know the you know an early early reception, that for me was that was it was just shocking. It's just it's just ubiquitous. You know what's amazing to me is, especially with the rise of kind of a revival of patristic studies in the mid twentieth century, um, which kind of led to Vatican II, and then uh, ironically. It was it was the Catholics reading the Church Fathers that kind of encouraged the Orthodox to start reading them again, <laughs> in a lot of ways, and and so you get you know for my listeners uh, you know people like Alexander Schmemann and John Meindorf and uh, those sorts of folks kind of reengaging with what they say about different things, but it, it's it's fascinating that it it took this long before someone to say let's see what the church fathers say about some of these issues and to actually come up you know and and put it in a coherent in a book. Um, I, I'm, I'm glad I'm glad it took this long because now I get to interview and have you on my podcast. But it, it's fascinating that that this book hasn't been written sooner. Um, yeah, well, it's so if you if you get to because I mean it's it's a really interesting observation that you have, and part of it has to do a, a big piece of this has to do with the way that our disciplines are fragmented, hmm. the way that we we all at an academic level, the way that we all just go off into our own silos. And, and this is something that is, I mean, is recognized, you know, when I, when I was over at, at Oxford, this is something that, you know, uh, you know, Graham Ward and I would, would talk about because he was, you know, he, he, he was in, in charge of theology over there. And we would just talk all the time about how do we, uh, how, how do we get everybody out of their silos so they go and they talk <laughs> to each other just because this is the, the fragmentation that you find within other academic disciplines, you find elsewhere in the humanities. Uh, I mean, you find even politically, you find all kinds of stuff. That fragmentation has absolutely hit theological studies. And at first, it's so that hey, we can go and have our own autonomy, so that you know, the mm-hmm. you know, nobody needs to, you know, no theologians are going to come and tell us, you know, New Testament scholars what to do. Yeah, we're going to, 
you know, where it's, it's going to be great. We're going to be able to uh, do things, do things our way, which yeah, you can, <laughs> you can, you can understand. The difficulty is that everybody goes and does their own work in their own area and they never really learn. They never really learn a whole lot about what's happening in these other areas and their work never really ends up being, you know, being placed into a broader context or mm. can be integrated in a kind of constructive form. So you, you, you find that, uh, I mean, you find that across theological studies. And I, I would say that, you know, New Testament studies is one of the areas probably hit, hit hardest by it, uh, where, you know, New Testament scholars, we tend to just read, you know, the New Testament and other New Testament scholars. Sometimes it's vice versa. <laughs> Sometimes it's, we're reading mostly other New Testament scholars, and then occasionally we get around to you know to re- reading the New Testament. And so it's it's pretty <laughs> rare to go and to find uh, you know to find you know New Testament scholars who go and uh, who who have the time and energy to be able to go and engage the early fathers. And sometimes it's really interesting. A, a fascinating example from this is uh, from the studies Rudolf Boltman. Mm-hmm. Because uh, uh, so you know uh, you know sort of a generation ago so you know generation before right you know Boltman uh, kind of you know more uh, you know kind of liberal uh, you know Protestant theologian you know German tradition uh, when you know Lutheran tradition he um, you know he was he was he was the biggest thing going for for a long time and he's one of those guys who he he at least took the time to go and read you know the early fathers and and to you know kind of see see what they what they meant uh, and to try to say how does this relate to you know my my understanding of Paul and which is i mean to 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 his credit because that's just not something that you find a lot of new new testament scholars in you know, the modern period really really doing in this the same kind of way and it's fascinating I, there's a number of places in the book where I go and I find this uh he just looks at the other father the fathers and he's like this is weird. They don't seem to have any idea what Paul is talking about. <laughs> like they're all, they're all talking about. And, and, and the thing is, it's not, it's not only all the fathers who don't know what Paul is talking about either. It's the Jews don't know what the Jews are talking about because <laughs> when the Jews that, that the, the fathers are arguing against, they're not at all like the Jews that Paul are arguing, is arguing against. So, so it seems that both Paul's arguments and the arguments of Paul's interlocutors have, they've just disappeared from history <laughs> and suddenly <laughs> they're replaced by these weird early fathers who are arguing against these other weird, you know, these other weird Jews who seem to be completely unrelated to what, you know, Boltman thinks, you know, the, uh, you know, the Paul and his, his Jewish interlocutors are actually, yeah, yeah. actually, actually talking about. So it's, you just get these hilarious, uh, just fantastic <laughs> pa- passages that are there. And you just wonder if it, if it ever occurred to him as he was going through, like, maybe, maybe I need to rethink this. Yeah, <laughs> maybe, maybe he was wrong. It, yeah. Cause I mean, cause I mean, you get even, even, you know, the one figure that Boltman goes and identifies, you know, is really understanding the Pauline spirit is Ignatius of Antioch. Mm-hmm. Uh, his Boltman has this really soft spot for Ignatius of Antioch, but when he goes and he looks at, you know, Ignatius's arguments against Judaizers, he clearly sees them as inspired by Paul's work, but he's like, these Judaizers aren't doing anything what Paul's Judaizers are doing. Like, <laughs> these, the, like there seems to be some some weird transformation because you know Boltman's understanding of the essence of Judaism is just it's it, 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 you know it it's a um it's it's just very interesting. It's probably the best I can say it as far as what <laughs> you know what's what's actually going on there. And, and there's a um uh, you know I think that I, if I remember correctly, I think it was is John Barclay. Who, uh, who had this observation that the new perspective is largely written against Boltman, 
Mm. Um, as far as I, I, I think that there's a lot to that and just saying that the picture that that Boltman had constructed of what Judaism was and what Paul was going and writing against, uh, we know when he's saying Christianity in distinction, you know, uh, you know with it, uh, it's this, um, it's this really interesting, um, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it has, it's Lutheran as his heart, but then it has this, these weird modern existential twists and turns and stuff, stuff, stuff like that. And you just look at that and you think, boy, that's like when, when, you know, when Ed Sanders is going and writing something like, you know, Paul and Palestine and Judaism, that's kind of like the, the big target that's there. And I know for, <laughs> you know, for, for writers, for writers. Well. And I think that from, you know, historically, I think that that is a major gain of the, um, you know, of, of the, of the new perspective is to say that sort of, that th- there's this weird sort of quasi like i don't know like uh, like sort of depth psychology stuff that you know that boltman and other figures like like Kazeman can some- sometimes do and going and saying hey what is the essence of the the you know the jews error that just it, it just seems like it's an it's an ahistorical perspective it just doesn't mm-hmm. really it doesn't engage deeply with you know the, the the evidence from first century you know source as far as what you know, what, what Jews are actually thinking and doing because it projects all these other things that are there like, boy, that's really interesting. I don't think that's right, but that's really interesting. So. Well, it's interesting that, you know, that you said, you know, a part of the reason it took so long is because there's not only there's a disconnect between different disciplines. And I think, um, I think there's a disconnect and I've talked about this on my podcast before between theologians and Bible scholars yeah. So, you know, the, the aim of theologians, they tend to talk about like the essence of God and who he is in his being and these sorts of things. But if yeah. you go back and read scripture, scripture is not concerned with who God is in his nature. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's more of an instruction or a teaching to kind of walk his commandments. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's almost as if sometimes they're in two different worlds uh, yeah. to me. And <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I think, so, I think you're, I think you're right. And I think that part of it goes back to, again, the, the desire for, for autonomy that's there. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, we want to be able to do what we want to do, um, and <laughs> to maybe I don't. Uh, I want to use too pejorative a term, but to do whatever's right in our own eyes. <laughs> um, I I think it's that's you know if you're looking at um, you know if you if you if you're taking you know thirty thousand feet uh, sort of view of modern theology, or if you're if you know if you're to look at you know, at you know, SBL or AAR and, and, and anything and kind of go through all the different, all the different things that are there. You, you go, again, you just come back to the, to the line from, from judges and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. <laughs> Boy, that is, that is kind of what we do. That's, yeah. We just, we go and we do things that are right in our own eyes and we don't have to try to be accountable for them into any sort of broader kind of theological context or relate them back to the work of many So we just kind of, kind of and do that. Other- and I think, and so I think that, you know, I, I think that that's un, unhealthy for uh, a number of reasons. Um, uh, but one of them is, uh, which I think is, is an, you know, is an obvious one is that, you know, within our, even within our own work, we'll end up, we'll end up doing funny things like calling something a new perspective uh, that is, <laughs> is actually, you know, uniformly what the early church goes and teaches on something and then call something the old perspective that... <laughs> At least in its in, in its essential form, it's hard to go into identify you know before before the 16th century, and, and and I think that you know Luther and, and Calvin are you know they're they're pretty they're pretty forthright about that as far as I mean they're not always 100 percent forthright about that, but 
you know, when it comes to, you know, to, 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 to both of them, even, you know, even, you know, St. Augustine and, and his writings, when it comes to these, you know, these, these kinds of de- debates, both of them see the need to even go in and say, he, he, even he doesn't really get this. So, oh. yeah. Well, so I think we'll wrap up. Um, Cause I, I've kept you about an hour now. So, uh, yeah. Uh, so I just had one question. So Douglas Moo. Um, yes. You got an endorsement from him in the book. He, he, for my listeners, if you go to Amazon, there's 10 endorsements uh, from the book from some, some pretty big names in the biblical scholarship world, including Scott McKnight and N.T. Wright. But uh, for him, uh, you kind of criticize him in your book and, and suggest that he's gone the wrong way, and then he gives you an endorsement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so I... I um, I don't, I don't, I've never actually met, met Doug in, Doug in person. I've only, I've only e- emailed with him, but I've, I've emailed with him, boy, probably, you know, a, n- a number of times over, over the past, past five years. And I sent, I sent him the section that I wrote on him because I think that he is a, I, so he, he's more of an old perspective, you know, voice mm-hmm. for people who don't, don't know, know his work. Um, he's, a, he's a, he's a person whose work I, you know, I, I respect a lot. And it was, it was actually interesting before I even started grad school, I had his Romans commentary and, you know, I, I, I was going, going through it. And there's, there's a number of things that there were there when I went through his Roman Romans commentary, it was like, boy, I just don't really know in this, within this perspective, how kind of how this stuff all holds together. So maybe I, maybe I need to go to grad school and sort of figure this out. Cause I can't, I can't, you know, I don't, I don't really, I don't really know. And, and it's interesting because some of those same, same tensions that I, I identified in his Romans com- commentary, and going and making him one of the major art, you know, uh, interlocutors for this, for the study, I, I found those, you know, again and again. Um, and, and he sometimes he's just, he's forthright about them, um, which I think is, you know, to, to, to his credit and just saying, gosh, I don't really know if this, if all the pieces totally hold together here. He's got a, a great, you know, uh, little section is, is a piece on uh, justification in Galatians and a fest strip for, I believe DA Carson. Um, where he goes and he's, he's talking about like, yeah, I don't think he talks about sort of the reform tradition of talking about, you know, works as, uh, as evidence of faith. And he's just kind of says, I don't think this works. <laughs> I just don't think, I don't think that it works because it's, it's, we're demanded to produce them. We're, we're commanded to produce them. If it's commanded and I don't, I don't think it's sufficient to go into call them just, just evidence. And he says, I know this doesn't sit easily with my tradition, but I just think this is what Galatians says. So, um, so I, 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 when I, when I wrote my, my section on it, I went and I sent it to him and, and he was, uh, I mean, he was just tremendously gracious in that he, <laughs> he said, yeah, this is really accurate. You've even identified the places where there's tension in my theology, <laughs> which I just thought is, I, um, boy, uh, yeah, Lord, let me, let me go and, you know, do, do that as well. And, and, you know, if there's errors, there's tensions in, you know, in my theology or difficulty holding stuff together, let me. Let me be as, you know, as, as forthright with stuff. So he's a, um, so he, he, he was a major figure in, you know, in, in the book, I think with among, um, among old perspective figures, I do think that, so uh, you can say on uh, you know, negatively in relation to the, you know, to, to the, to the early evidence, um, he still, even though he engages positively with a lot of, you know, new perspective stuff, he's, he still wants to identify in the end, a fundamental sort of believing versus doing dichotomy. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he wants to relate, you know, being justified by faith apart from works of the law still, you know, to a, you know, a perpetual dichotomy that carries on within the new covenant as well. 
And I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll say, I'll say for that, that it's, it's really hard to substantiate something like that within the, within the early sources they, <laughs> that is, it's just not, it's just not what they understand, you know, Paul to be talking about, nor is it something that from the standpoint of, you know, you know, early, early Christian theology that I, I think, uh, it, it, you just you just don't just don't find some something some, some, some like that, um, and so so yeah there so there are there are there are areas where I'd say there's there's points of discontinuity you know for sure, I think there's also some important points of continuity with with Doug Moo's work in these these early sources and I go and I, I point those out and well those I mean, those out as well some of those have to do with areas where Moo has kind of related some of the more traditional old perspective stuff to the new perspective and try to kind of synthesize it. So some of those I think are you know, to his credit in the way that he's, he's been able to do that. And some of those are just, just insights that he has elsewhere. So the, 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 the big one that I have is uh, in his Galatians commentary. When, so Galatians 6, 6, 2, uh, you know, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ is a section on that where he talks about what is the law of Christ and it's really interesting because he his definition of that when he says you know this is this is kind of everything that Christ goes and you know is everything Christ institutes so it's, it's Paul isn't just sort of you know he doesn't just sort of coin a cool you know term for rhetorical you know force uh, to something to kind of you know argue against you know the the law law of Moses but you no know, this is this is really Christ's teachings this is really his ordinances this is really the, you know, the authority that he has established through his inspired apostles, including Paul himself, this is all a part of the law of Christ. So he has a, I, I guess, I guess you could say he has a, a really kind of uh, like substantive understanding of what the law of Christ is. Um, and even though he doesn't go and employ the reasoning in this way, as far as, hey, because you're under the law of Christ, now the works of the Mosaic law, now the Mosaic legislation isn't in, a, in effect, you, you now are giving this, even though he doesn't employ that as a reason for why it is that, you know, Christians don't, you know, continue to, to uh, practice these observances of, of the Mosaic law, that, that presentation of the law of Christ is for me, is as, as, as good as any I've come across as far as, you know, what the early church is talking about and how they understand Paul's reasoning to work and, you know, just how, how all these debates are functioning. And I think it's, there's a sense which I think it's, I think it's great that, you know, <laughs> such a great articulation comes from an old perspective guy. It shows that there's mm-hmm. still, there's still, you know, uh, again, whatever side, side you, you know, you're, you're on on these, there's, um, you know, there's, there's real attention given to the text on both sides. And there's real insights that, you know, can, you know, can, can, you, you, you can, you can find on, on both, both sides of these. So I, um, so yeah, I, you know, I, even where I, you know, where I think that, you know, uh, you know, some of the stuff that he, he says and, uh, and, you know, some of, some of his ideas are, are kind of hard to hold together with, uh, you know, some, you know, early patristic, you know, reception stuff. Uh, you know, there's, I think there's still a lot of valuable stuff in his, his work as well. And, you know, in definitely mm-hmm. areas where, uh, yeah, he's, he's a really easy, you know, person, you know, to, to commend as far as, um, just things that are in his work that are, that are constructed. So I'm, I'm grateful that, uh, he went and uh, was so willing to, to well, endorse, I, endorse the book. I was impressed, you know, because as you said, you kind of call him out on, on, his, on the weak points of his theology, but then he gives you this I mean, nice I, endorsement. I, I, so. I, I, hope, I hope I don't call him out. I'm really, I've, I've, try, I've tried to, 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 to try to present the material as, as fair and even-handed as possible and not have, the, the world has enough access to grind. I don't, I don't need any of them. Make it, make it, make it. I've tried to not do any sort of call call out stuff or you know any, anything like that but i you know I, I do try to go and present hey you know where there's 
you know, where, where, where there isn't correspondence, um, you know, with, uh, you know, an, an earlier reception to be, uh, to be, you know, honest about that. And, and that goes for, it goes for some, some, you know, new, new perspective folks as well. I mean, I think if you find, for instance, um, you know, in, in, you know, the late, the late, uh, Jim, Jimmy Dunn, who uh, mm-hmm. was, uh, gosh, he was, he was, he was really fun to interact with this, with this material. And he's, he's a guy who, in, in the, the brief experiences that I had with him, I'm really, I'm really grateful to have gotten, gotten to know him a little bit. Um, his, uh, you know, wh- when it comes to the reason behind, Hey, what's, what's wrong with worse of the law, ultimately, fundamentally, he, he roots things within, you know, exclusivity with this, the, the underlying attitude of excluding the other. Uh, and so because of that, because it's that, that attitude that then means that, you know, you can transpose worse of the law into all kinds of modern debates where anybody wants to go and exclude anybody sort of based on almost, almost, almost anything. And that's, that's one of those things where, I, again, I try to be forthright in saying there's, you're going to find a lot of early patristic substantiation for some of those, you know, things that, that, that Jimmy Dunn goes and says about worse the law. But as far as the reasoning around it, that's, that really seems, that seems foreign to, you know, to early Christian reasoning. They don't, just don't see it as, as worse of the law as, as being expanded into kind of, you know, issues that, that exclude or, you know, kind of underlying attitude. So I've, I've tried to, I've tried to call, call the balls and strikes uh, as, as fairly <laughs> as, as, as possible. Cause I, I just am convicted that that's what, that's what we all, all, all need right now. And so, yeah. um, you know, if, if I've succeeded in that, praise God. And if not, then I will happily go in and uh, accept anyone's correction. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, maybe someday there'll be a be a, a young guy writing a thesis about your work. And <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I, so, so for my listeners, uh, I I just want to say that uh, this book is coming out on October twentieth. You can get it at Amazon or IVP. Uh, website, the uh, University Press. It's called Paul's Works of the Law in the Perspective of Second Century Reception by Matthew J. Thomas. And so if you want to understand what works of the law actually meant, um, either in biblical scholarship today, that new perspective, or in traditional Protestantism, or in the Church Fathers, he covers all of those areas, and you can see um, see what he has to say about it. And as the podcast is called, it's called The Way, which, uh, which means... Uh, we, the gospel is free of charge, but we are charged to walk the way. And so you can see, uh, you can see how uh, that includes more than just works of the law. And uh, I think this book will fit right into it. So I encourage all my listeners to go out and to uh, purchase the book or pre-order it. And uh, uh, Matthew, I want to thank you for being here with us and um, uh, taking your time to, to, to speak with us. Absolutely, no, I'm I'm in your debt for being one of the the earliest readers back when this was a lowly a lowly PhD thesis. <laughs> uh, your, your your encouragement for the project. So thank 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 you. I bought stock in the company, I guess. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> All right, have a good day. Great, thank you. <laughs> <laughs>